previously on Kingdom Real Podcasts with our guest, Jan Lestosi. Um, in 1998, I was sent to prison for 18 months to 10 years. And while I was in prison, I was repeatedly raped by a prison official for a little over six months. I was diagnosed with bipolar just okay. before I went to prison, mm-hmm. and I'd been in a manic episode. The judge said that since I used to work for the court, I, of all people, should know better, and felt he was going to make an example of me. When my day finally came to get out, they took me to the bus station in Kalamazoo, put me on a bus to Grand Rapids, and it was like I walked out of the prison and just buried it. I could be with my kids and my husband again, and it was like it never happened other than the nightmares at night. He had continued doing it after I left Mm. to other women. That's when I learned that there were seven other victims. And now for the conclusion of Jan's story. The prosecutor appealed the mistrial and was granted a new trial. So then we have to go back through the whole, you know, Mm -hmm. get your subpoena, go down to cold water, wait for the trial. Right. So my husband and I get down there and we're sitting in the room waiting to go into the courtroom Mm -hmm. and waiting to go in the courtroom and waiting to go in the courtroom. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, he's gone. You know he's not. The guard. I remember saying, the defendant's not coming. Well, all of a sudden they came in, I think it was the prosecutor and the state police detective, and they said that uh, he hadn't shown up yet, the defendant. So they were gonna send somebody to his house, send a deputy. And I looked at the prosecutor and the detective and I said, I told you you should have revoked his bond. Mm -hmm. We'd have been done with this a long time ago if he was sitting in jail. Right. They came back. The deputies reported that he wasn't there. He had absconded. We learned later that he'd gotten a settlement. He was working for, I think, Charter or something. And he'd gotten in an accident. And he'd gotten a settlement and used that money to take off. And the state police detective told me, don't worry, we'll find him. And I looked at him and I said, no, you won't. I said, we're prisoners, we don't matter. Nobody's gonna look for him. And my husband and I went home and life went on. And then about eight months later, I got a phone call from the prosecutor telling me that they'd found him. Oh. In Alaska. Wow. And they brought him back. I said, how did they find him in Alaska? Right. Well, I told you Coldwater was a small town. and mm-hmm. um, The defendant had gotten divorced, but he'd gotten a new girlfriend. Of course. His new girlfriend used to be the office manager at the prosecutor's office who's actually married to one of the prosecutors. Okay. She'd left him to go with the scumbag. 
And a couple weeks after he absconded, she disappeared. Okay. So they knew they were together somewhere. Right. Well, apparently once they got to Alaska and got settled, she applied for a job. And she put the prosecutor's office down as, you know, a place she worked. Yeah. So they called. And that's how they found And it. somebody went, well, if she's up there, but he's up there. And they turned it over to the state police and they sent the Alaska troopers and there he was. So we have to be grateful. You know, we have to right. thank her for him getting caught. Right. <laughs> and so they brought the defendant back, put him in jail put him in protective custody because, you know, he wouldn't be safe from the mean people in jail. And we had our trial real fast this time. Okay. You know, we didn't have all the games that we Did had Did you have before. to testify again? Well, we got ready to go for trial and I got a call from the prosecutor and the other women all wanted him to, he had been offered a plea Okay. And the other women all wanted to take it. I was the only one that didn't want them to take it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, majority rules, and I kind of got overruled. So um, he pled guilty. He pled non um, nulla contendere, which means mm -hmm. he's not saying he's guilty, but he's treated as if he is. Right. And uh, so we went down for the sentencing. And... I told the judge I wanted him to go to prison for a long time. I wanted him to know what it was like to be told what to do, when to do it, right. where to do it, and how to do it. But I also told the judge that not even he deserved to get raped when he was in prison. So how did you get yourself to that point? I mean, how long it had been since all of this happened, and it, it sounds like you had had some forgiveness in your heart. It took longer to get him convicted than he did time in prison. Wow. Um, it had been five years before he finally got convicted. Um, it was lots of counseling, lots of talking, and I learned every time I told my story, I healed a little bit more. Okay. Um, I'm a firm believer in allowing a victim to testify mm -hmm. because it is, it's a healing process. Right. And for me, it was very important to know that I told my story to complete strangers in the jury and they believed me. Mm. Um, because a lot of people don't believe you because you're a prisoner. Right. And so I started counseling. That was a trip in itself. Um, I started at the Y because the Y has a great rape crisis right. program. And it went really good until the day I got up and told my story. Mm. Because it was when people found out that it happened in prison, they didn't know how to react to me. So you're in a session with other rape victims, mm -hmm. and then you shared your story, but because you were a prisoner, yep. things were received differently? Totally. So I didn't go back. Mm. My husband told me, you need to find a new counselor then. So 
I found another one. And as soon as I said I was in prison, she said, well, those things happen. Okay, you're not the right one. Wow. Um, it took a long time before I found a really good one. Okay. And she was amazing. Um, I could even call her if I was just having a rough day. Um, like the day I got the phone call when the defendant got out of prison and they lost him. They didn't know where he was. And I remember calling my husband and he said, lock the doors, you're fine. And so I called my counselor and she walked me through it. We got through it. The prison called back. They'd found him. He was on the wrong bus. Oh my goodness. And uh, so after several years, you know, I stopped. Um, I'm still in counseling today. Um, I have another counselor. He is a trauma-based counselor. Um, he's not scared that I was in prison. It doesn't phase him. Um, I see him every other week. And between that and my meds and my husband, they keep me grounded. <laughs> That's amazing. So you went through a lot and then you had to go back to your family, yes. back to your life. Yeah. And all the craziness with the trial and the mistrial and, and all of that since then. Are you still married? Still married. It'll be 42 years next month. So is that a typical thing that people stay married through this kind no. of? No. Um, in fact, when I was in prison, I can't tell you the number of women that got letters or court papers. Mm. Um, a lot of them just had boyfriends and they disappear. The ones that had husbands, um, a lot of them got court papers with divorces. Um, it's very rare to have somebody stick by your side. Right. But he did. And he still has. Can't get rid of him no matter what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's been my rock. He's been my best friend. Um, he knows my deepest, darkest secrets and still loves me. So I'm going to bring your husband on next episode okay and I just can't wait to hear kind of both sides of the story because um, when you and I met before this interview we talked about how his story is your story and your story is history right you know that it, it happened to you but it also happened to him right. at the same time and so I I'm really looking forward to kind of getting that perspective and then hearing how your marriage survived all of this because that is a rarity it know? is that's that's we live me. in a throwaway society. I agree. And every time I got mail, I thought it was going to be divorce papers. Mm. Mm. So I'm going to have you hold that thought, and we're going to end here. Okay. And then we'll bring your husband on for the next episode. Sounds good. All right. Well, I'm Sarah Seberg. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Kingdom Real. And we look forward to rejoining Jan when we bring her husband John on for the next episode. Mm -hmm.